Okay, shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory. We give you praise. We thank you, God, for what you are doing in our lives today. We thank you, O God, for your plans for our lives and everything, O God, that you have in place for this church in this city. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, <clears throat> quickly. I'm, I'm preaching on let's arise and build. And I'm, I'm, uh, I want to read from Ezra, Ezra chapter 3, verse 8. Now, in the second month of the second year, of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, Joshua, the son of Jozadek, and the rest of their brethren, the priests and the Levite, and all those who had come out of the captivity of Jerusalem began work and appointed the Levite from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of Judah. Sorry, to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Joshua, with his sons and brothers, Camel and his sons, and the sons of Hinadad, with their sons and their brethren. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the, of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levite and the sons of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord, according to the ordinance of David, the king of Israel, and they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to God, for he is good, for his mercies endured forever towards Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and the Levites and the heads of the father's house, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of the temple was laid because their eyes was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy so the people so that the people could not descend the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people for the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard Afar off. I've read a very long scripture. I mean, maybe I lost you along the way, but I'll try to give you a background. So the people of Israel, I'm reading from the, I read from the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra was written at the time that the book of Nehemiah was also written. And so it tells us the same thing. Ezra and Nehemiah tells us the return of Israel to the land of Jerusalem. So Israel was taken into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. At the end of the 70 years, they came back to um, their land. This was in line with a prophecy that God had, had already given to Israel. Now, God had already prophesied that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. So it was important for Israel to come to Jerusalem. And so coming back to Jerusalem was in line with the prophecy that God had given Israel. Now, Babylon at that time was the greatest empire, but Babylon was defeated by Persia. And Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, allowed Israel to come back to Jerusalem, permitted them and gave them his support. Cyrus was a, um, a pagan king, but he permitted Israel because it was time for the prophecy of God to be fulfilled. God will fulfill his prophecy. It doesn't matter who he's going to use. Who, how do you know 
that, Paul, that Saul is going to become Paul and he's going to be the one who will write more than half of the Bible. How do you know that the children that you are preventing from coming to Jesus, the disciples, are going to be the, is, one of them is going to be the one who will present his breakfast, uh, his lunch, to save the day when you were in the wilderness. This tells us that when God is about to, to do what he wants to do in our lives, it doesn't matter who is available, whether the person is saved or unsaved, whether the person is a believer or unbeliever, whether the person is a child or an older person, God can use anyone to bring to pass his plan. Cyrus was a pagan king, but when it was time for the prophecy of God to be fulfilled, God worked in his heart and he allowed Israel to come back to their land. So Israel went into Babylon in three groups. And when they were coming back to their land, they came back in three groups. The first group was led by Zerubbabel. The second group was led by Ezra. And the third group was led by Nehemiah. Now, the first group, which was led by Zerubbabel, started to build the temple. The second group, which was led by Ezra, reinstituted worship in Israel in Israel because these are people who have been in captivity they had been in Babylon for so long so they had disconnected from their God they had disconnected from the customs and the rituals of Israel they were not familiar with how to worship God so it was necessary that um, it was necessary that Ezra would train them and tell them the things that are right. So these people, even though they have heard about the God of Israel, did not have a relationship with the God of Israel. So they wanted to connect back to the God of Israel. So when they came to their land and they started the building, the Bible says that they selected people who were 20 years and above. Mind you, all those who were below 70 never saw the temple of Solomon. So those 20 years and above were selected to build. And Bible says that when they had laid the foundation of the building, they began to celebrate. They began to enjoy. They were so happy that at last they have been able to lay a foundation for the kingdom of God. They had been able to lay a foundation for the building of the temple of God. Now, when you read verse 12, the Bible says, But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the, father, of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of the temple was laid. Now, the old guys, the old Jews who had, not, who had seen the temple of Solomon, when they saw the foundation, the makeshift foundation that the guys had laid, and these guys were rejoicing over the, their foundation because for them, this is the only thing they know. This is the only way they can connect to their God. This is the first step they are taking towards worshiping God. But when the old guys who had seen the Temple of Solomon saw it, they wept. The young guys were celebrating and the old guys were weeping. The Bible tells us that the noise was so loud it was mixed up. So people couldn't tell if they were celebrating or they were crying. You see, most of the times when we compare what God did in a certain generation to what God is doing in this generation, we might not celebrate what God is doing in our generation. We heard about how God worked in the 60s, in the 50s, in the 70s, in the 80s, but we are in 2002 and God is still doing something. We cannot focus on what God did in the past. When we compare ourselves to the older generation, we cannot get involved in what God is doing now. And so let's focus on what God is doing in our lives now. Because the Bible tells us that God is always working. In this generation, God is still working. 
just like he worked with the people of old. These old guys had seen Solomon's temple and all the glory that came with the temple of Solomon. So when they saw that these weak guys had laid a foundation, they said, what is this thing that you have done? Compared to the temple that Solomon built, this is nothing. This is rubbish. But for these guys, they have been in pain for so long. They have been in Babylon for so long. They, they did not see the temple of, um, of Solomon. They have been in Babylon. They have been in slavery. They have been in poverty. They have seen pain. And for them to reconnect to their God, that was so important to them. That was worth celebrating for them. But these old Gs, these old guys who had seen it all, wept when they saw the foundation. Today we are laying a foundation for a good work. It might not be like other places. It might not be like what God has done in other churches. But this is our foundation and we have to celebrate it. Because the good thing about starting small or doing small things is that it has the potential to grow. I know that all of you have experienced wonderful big churches before, like Solomon's Temple. (laughs) But as we build this makeshift foundation... We have every cause to celebrate because we know that the good Lord who helped them those days to build the temple, the good Lord who held Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem is going to help us. And so we have every cause to celebrate. How can you compare Solomon's temple to what these guys are doing? Solomon's temple was built 480 years after Israel left Egypt. This temple is being built two and a half years after they left captivity. How can you compare Solomon's temple to this temple? Solomon had so much men. He had a workforce of 30,000 men that they had to take shift. 10,000 men will work for one month and they will go on leave or they will go on vacation for two months. And then the other 10,000 will come and work. But these people were 42,000 in number, excluding servants. And they were trying to rebuild the temple. How can you compare Solomon's temple to this temple? This temple is being built by the pain of people. This temple is being built by people who have seen pain. Their sacrifices is what they are using to rebuild the temple. You cannot compare Solomon's temple to this temple. This temple is coming out of a heart that is willing to reconnect to their God. They are not building out of the abundance, out of their scarcity. They wanted to reconnect to their God. You cannot compare Solomon's temple to this temple. Solomon had 70,000 men who were assisting him. Solomon had 8,000 men who just carried stones. Solomon had 3,300 um, 3, 3, supervisors over his work. You cannot compare that temple to this one. These guys, have just come, they just came out of slavery and they were trying to do something for God. The least you can do is to encourage them. Yeah. That's what the Bible says, comparing ourselves to ourselves, we are not wise. And so what I'm saying this morning is that What we are doing here is like the makeshift foundation in the eyes of so many people. But the good thing is that if the presence of God is upon what we are doing, it is going to grow. It is going to increase. It doesn't matter what comes our way. We are going to press on. Like Nehemiah said in the book of Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20. He said the God of heaven, he will prosper us. So we will arise and build. My message to you this morning is let's arise and build. You, I know all of you have experienced church before. You've been in Solomon's temple. You've seen wonderful worship services with nice lighting, wonderful car. <laughs> but don't compare that temple to this temple. Yeah. 
Because God is doing something new in our midst. This is a different generation. We have had the call of God and we are going to build according to the pattern that he gives us. We are not going to build according to the pattern that others have built. I know there are big churches in Connecticut. But we are going to trust God that he he will bring increase. We are going to trust God that what we have started here will expand. And I believe with all my heart that we are going to touch this city. I believe with all my heart that we are going to touch this state. I believe with all my heart that God is going to set us apart in this nation. Like I said, if God was able to use Cyrus, who is a pagan, to fulfill his prophecy, God can use us. We have the spirit of God. God can use us to do what he wants to do in this nation. When God gets ready to do his work, it doesn't matter who is available. He just chooses one man. And so we have made ourselves available to do what God wants to do in this state. And God is going to use us to change people. Amen. Amen. Anytime you try to build something for God, there are people who come your way. When we saw, when you read Nehemiah, there was Sambalat, there was Tobiah. Who came to Nehemiah? Sambalat said, what are these weak people trying to do? And Tobiah said, if a fox walks over the wall, the wall is going to fall down. <laughs> but Nehemiah said, we will just be strong and we'll build. There are people who discourage us. There are people who mock us. Like these old guys who had seen the temple of Solomon. And they saw these guys lay the foundation. They were shouting, screaming and enjoying that we have been able to do something for God. These old guys who had seen Solomon's temple. You know Solomon's temple. Solomon was the richest man on earth at that time when they built the temple. So they didn't spare any, any um, finances. They, they just put all the money inside. Because David had even raised funds before his death for the building of Solomon's temple. So you cannot compare that temple to what these guys are building. These guys were just coming out of slavery. They were just coming out of Babylon. And they decided that we were going to reconnect with our God. These guys were fulfilling prophecy. It was important that they came back to their land for the Messiah to be born. And so they were there to re-establish their connection with God. God has worked in so many places. And God is still working in so many churches. But we are going to commit ourselves to what God is going to do here. Because we know that the faithful God will not fail us. He is too faithful to disappoint us. He is too faithful to fail us. When you read the book of Acts, chapter 9. The Bible says that then, let me just read from verse 6. So he, he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what to do. When Paul encountered Jesus Christ, Paul was persecuting the church. But when he encountered Jesus Christ, he asked, what do you want me to do? This morning, I want all of us to prayerfully consider what do you want me to do, Lord? In this generation, what do you want me to do? God has an assignment for every one of us. I want us to prayerfully consider, Lord, what do you want me to do? It should be the burden on our heart. As God has started this new work here, 
Let's just ask ourselves, God, what do you want me to do? Because I believe that God has brought all of us here because he has a purpose for us. God has brought all of us to this place because he has a plan for us. And so I want you to prayerfully consider, God, what do you want me to do? Now, when you compare your Christian life to the life of other people, you fail to, um, to enjoy the blessings of God. You fail to enjoy what God is doing in your life. Like these old guys, they were comparing what God did and what God is doing now. So they could not celebrate what God is doing. But I want you to know that you are unique. God has a plan for you. And don't compare yourself to another person. Don't look at what God has done in somebody's life. Look at what God is doing in your life. Celebrate what God is doing in your life now. Because God has good plans for you. He said, I know the thought that I think of you. They are of good, not of evil. To give you an expected end and hope. God's plan for you is that he will give you an expected end and hope. God is not going to disappoint you. You are not the first person who, who is going to build a bad reputation about God. With the God that we read about in the Bible, he is the same God today. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The power that he used to work in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, that power is still available. Let's not focus on things that are past that we cannot do anything about. Let's focus on the things that are present that God is doing right now. Let's align with the purpose and the plan of God in 2022. And we'll experience the same power. We'll walk in the same power that the people walked in. This morning, I just want to invite everyone here to come build with us. It might look like what we are building now is a makeshift foundation. It might not compare to so many other places that you've been to. But we know that the God of heaven, he will prosper us. So we will arise and build. I'm giving an open invitation to all of you. I'm so honored to have all of you join us today. But this is just the beginning of the work. And I invite you all to stand with us. I have no shadow of doubt that God is going to bless us. For us as a church, ministry is a calling and not a profession. It's a calling. And I believe that one day we are going to stand before God and give an account of the call. And this is what, uh, this is what um, inspires us to do what God has called us to do. Because one day, when we stand before him, we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because we did exactly what he wants us to do. This is a stronger motivation than any other motivation you can think about. Knowing that you are called and you are going to give an account. It is not a profession that you can just hold up one day and say, oh, I'm fed up, I'm tired, I'm not doing it again. But when we know that we are going to stand before God and give an account of our ministry, of our lives on earth, then we are inspired to press on and not give up. Again, when Lily was reading the introduction and the welcome, she said that we, we are a charismatic church which believes in the um, the person of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of madness have been attributed to charismatism. Charismatism is simply believing in the person of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
And that is what we believe in. We are not a church which is seeking to raise one superstar and everybody depends on that person. We want to see the gift manifest in each one of us because we believe that each one of us has a gift that they can use to bless people. Each one of us has a gift that they can use to serve other people. Each one of us has a gift that God has given us. And so those gifts has to be developed and those gifts has to be used. Jesus Christ gave us the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of doctrines now that is... Um, that has put aside the Holy Spirit. But we cannot put aside the Holy Spirit if we are Christians. Because Jesus Christ said, it is better for you that I go, so that the Holy Spirit will come. And so now that we have the Holy Spirit, we have to foster a relationship with Him. And that is what charismatism is about. Telling people that we have the Holy Spirit. Every one of us has a gift. And one day when we meet, people will be prophesying. People will be... Um, exalting us, gift people when somebody is sick, another person, a church member will lay hands on the person, the person will be healed. We don't want to see a superstar pastor who will be doing everything in the church and the other people will be um, relying on the pastor. That's not how we are supposed to be as Christians. As Christians, we all have to build our gift and use it to bless other people. And that's what charismatism is about. So we are known as International Charismatic Church. Our vision it's gospel for everyone, church for every community. This is in line with the great commission that we should go out and preach to the whole world. Our mission is that we are going to win souls, build believers and churches with integrity and character, integrity, character and charisma. Now, this is how we explain that we are going to make sure that we train people to have the character of Jesus Christ. Because that is our goal as believers, that we reach out to the world and transform them to have the character of Jesus Christ. That is our vision and our motto is come with us and we shall do you good. So this morning I invite all of you to come with us. We promise that we will do you good. Amen. Amen. God bless you so much for joining us today. I'm very, very honored to have all of you here. Thank you so much for coming. Now, I want to invite our senior minister to um, pray for the church as we start uh, today. I, I want Pastor Stephen to pray for us. Amen.